Hello and welcome to the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. I'm Jason O'Dell. And I'm Rick Walker. And we are good, glad to be back with you, all of our listeners and our sponsors, our patrons. Um, I think we even picked up a new patron last week, so thank you very much. Great. Um, and uh, again, if you're listening to this or maybe getting caught up on, on things, we have some new, um, recently put on some new blog articles for our sponsors. So if you are a show uh, patron, you, you have access to our Image Doctors blog over on imagedoctorsphoto.com that's where we post everything and you'll just um can check it out there and uh i know you've got another article that we're working on mm -hmm. um i posted one up there recently on on the difference between presets and profiles in adobe lightroom because they kind of do similar things but they operate in totally different ways so it's kind of cool. it, and it can be very confusing if you don't have a two tutorial like you created right and i believe that you're going to be talking about some custom profiles that you recently got um in an upcoming article which are kind of a different approach to processing yes yeah, i've actually had them for a while but yeah it'll be an interesting thing that, that's cool okay well um and um we should also give everyone a heads up that we will have a bonus show this week um it'll be out in the next uh, day or two um once we and we'll be sharing some of our photos from our Rocky Mountain National Park photo safari. What what an adventure that was! Oh my gosh! <laughs> Sometimes for the wrong reasons. Well, <laughs> you know, you know, this is where I think we, the the big lesson learned is thank goodness that we were doing this one jointly, and because I don't think either one of us would have wanted to go solo on this trip, um, and it it just really underscored the value of scouting and planning because boy did we have to change our itinerary around a lot um and, and it's funny because anytime i lead a photo safari you know either with you or or, mm -hmm. or just on my own i always just kind of people want an itinerary you know it's a you feel good having this piece of paper or whatever i send mm -hmm. you know, print out and i always tell my clients you know See this? It's a starting point. This will probably change three times. And usually it's just for normal things. Like when this was a landscape-oriented workshop or safari, I should say, with a little bit of opportunistic wildlife thrown in. Um, but, you know, changes to the weather, you know, depending on, you know, which day do you actually, you know, you might have your framework, but you can't, you've got to be flexible when you're in the field. Um, so we we experienced all kinds of, of um challenges uh not the least of which was, was whether or not the park itself was going to be open um yeah. because you know, we, we were, were we were faced with a congressional shutdown right. happening on the day that our workshop was starting yeah, literally yeah so I we mean, weren't even sure if we were going to get into the park um mm -hmm. fortunately it all worked out um but then you have the things with weather um so we looked and we 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 immediately pivoted on day one to going to one of the more iconic spots, which normally we would do later in the week after everyone's had a chance to kind of like get in the zone with their settings. Um, and if you've never been on a photo safari, you know, a guided photo safari of some kind, you know, one of the hidden values of it is being able to get up every day for three, four, maybe five, whatever it is, consecutive days and learn and commit your camera settings to muscle memory, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that is really, really important. 
you know, uh, along with psychologically immersing yourself in photography, as opposed to having mm -hmm. these brief periods of time where you're doing it and then you're distracted by other things. Yeah, it's 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 really important. And, you know, I saw I forget who said it, um, but another photographer who I who I follow. And, you know, at some point, you, if you once you've learned the settings for different kinds of scenarios, OK, I'm shooting on a landscape with a tripod versus I'm shooting handheld for elk right and you, mm -hmm. and you and you can commit those settings to some sort of memory or even maybe if your camera supports it maybe a custom bank of settings that you can use but you still got to know what's in it right i mean you if you change all your settings you still have to be aware but but the comment i saw was when you get to the point where you treat your camera almost like the settings almost like you've got it set up to be almost like a point and shoot camera Mm -hmm. not, not using a point and shoot camera, not using a phone, you know, just click. But the point where you know your settings so easily that you can just have that in there and then you're just concentrating on what's in the viewfinder. And, you know, with with minor adjustments for exposure and whatever, you know, mm -hmm. but when you know your settings well enough that you can almost use your camera like it's a point and shoot, that's mm -hmm. when you know you're getting good. Yeah. Um, and that's what you need those three or four days for. Um, so that was that was it was great we had a excellent group of clients and just oh, a yeah. big shout out to all of the people who came on our safari we saw your photos and we were all we were both impressed very much so uh the the they quality was was outstanding um and we want to talk a little bit about some some lessons we learned not not about you know having alternative shooting locations although i'm glad we did <laughs> because it worked Boy, out. That, yeah um, that's 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 a lesson learned that's more for people running workshops although it's still useful when you're doing your own thing to have ideas but yeah you, you don't always have the same level of pressure <laughs> yeah you don't always have the ability to pivot but you know what i mean there was one day in the park where we intended to go over the high trail ridge road which is you know 13 12 13 000 feet up and there was a blizzard they closed it so we didn't do that so it was good to have some alternative things to to work with um due to road closures and stuff in the park um but we shot a, a lot of different things we did you know early morning sunrises landscapes we shot wildlife and we shot streams yeah like uh stream waterfall cascade type stuff uh Old ghost, ghost town. town yeah i mean it was a fun fun time so and, and we were blessed for the most part with actually really decent weather and light um yeah. We've talked about how Colorado can sometimes be challenging because the light is so direct, but we had some clouds that really helped us out. So mother nature was, was pretty, um, uh, it's all about light in the end. It, so yeah. If you get stuff that's fun, it's, it's a wonderful experience. And we, we did have that. So that was awesome. Right. I mean, so, beautiful light. So, uh, you know, we both had the same reaction a couple of times. This is Galen Rowell light. Well, that's what I was just going to say. So there we yeah. were, one of our sunrises, and we went down to this lake, and we had a nice view of um, one of the the, the more famous uh, uh, peaks here, Long's Peak. You know, it's an iconic um, mountain. Routineer. Yeah, um, and it's pretty pretty prominent in the Rocky Mountain National Park area, and we were shooting it, and uh, there was a cloud perched on top of the mountains and it just went purple and then pink and then orange the glorious alpine glow on on it it was just 
on both the peak and the clouds. Yeah. And we both sort of looked at each other and said, this is like Galen Rowell would be shooting. You know, this was the mountain light of which mm-hmm. he, he, you know, wrote about. I, you know, honestly, if there was ever a time where you felt connected to what he was trying to convey, I think that was it. It yeah. was, it was, if, you know, so you, you kind of have to be there, but it, it is amazing. And like I said, we're, we're going to share some of our, our photos, um, later on this week with our bonus episode so if you're a supporter you'll get access to our video bonus episode so you'll want to stay 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 tuned for that um but you know one thing that's clear and we've talked about a little bit but people assume that landscape photography is easy they assume it's easy because well just take a picture of the mountain. It's not going anywhere. You don't have to worry about, you know, fast focusing or panning or, you know, landscape photography is hard. <laughs> but for <laughs> a the light is reason, changing. Yeah, it's it, it can change so quickly and you don't control it. Um, it's you can move around a little bit to change your composition, certainly. But there are just some things that you cannot change. And. And especially here, they happen so quickly. Right. One of the things I might do for our bonus thing is just do a little triptych thing, you know, a series of three shots taken exactly, almost exactly a minute apart. And the look at the images is dramatically different. Mm-hmm. It's, know, it, it's real. I mean, and you come back and you have six different photos of the same thing, but each mm-hmm. one of them has got a completely different character and feel with the different light um so um you know another interesting thing on this photo safari before we get into stuff that we we um were playing around with was Mm -hmm. the the diversity of systems that people brought right um we had a couple clients with om you know olympus om1 Mm -hmm. or om and om5 cameras uh, we had people with Sony's. We had people with Nikon's. We had people with, we had a client with Pentax. Big shout out for that. And you know what the best one was? All, all of them. Of them. Yeah. <laughs> they were all excellent. You know yeah. why? Because everybody came home with photos that they're happy with. And I think that is something that nobody really wants to hear. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like, have you noticed that lately? Everybody wants to talk about the best camera or the best system. And frankly, it's whatever you're using and you're happy with. Yeah. What you have fun with is the best choice. I mean, you actually had two systems with you. I did. Yeah. I I was using the Fuji medium format system for landscape stuff. And then I brought the OM1 for wildlife stuff and, and some, some other things. And they were both great to have. I got, good shots with both you know it was a kind of a luxury thing i realized and i sure yeah and it helps that we drove you didn't have to put this on an airplane yeah. or anything like that and and normally we would not argue to have two systems with you and, and you know that's no, mental. no that's not the point the no. point was both were really useful both were fun just different circumstances and, and you played them to their strengths yeah you you, you weren't shooting elk with the fuji Oh, God, that would be awful. It it wouldn't wouldn't work, and so that was when you had the like crazy anyway. So the OM one, right, and just the sheer mass of everything. So 
the the OM1 and the 100 to 400 I think you brought and that was ideal for that for mm-hmm. those um so anyway everybody came away with good shots and and really you know the it's when you're talking about different systems nowadays it's really just little differences little subtle differences that for 99% of the time don't really make anything critical you know you're not going to miss shots you might have to set something up a little differently you know when we were shooting on the stream i took advantage of that com- computational neutral density filter function in mm-hmm. the olympus but you know what if i didn't have that i would have just brought my 10 stop nd and called it good mm-hmm. you know and and it would have been fine i just would have approached it a little differently so anyway i, I just think that that was you know, everybody wanted to know what, what is the best thing. The best thing is what makes you happy. Yeah. Uh, it is truly that simple. Um, but there are a few things that we played with. Um, in some cases, both of us. Other ones, it might have just been me that we thought we'd talk about. Um, and they fall into the general category of helping you visualize your final image a little bit easier when you're out mm-hmm. shooting. And one that we both ended up doing with just independently was using the alternative crops in cameras where you can go from, you know, something like a four to three or three to two down to something that's more panoramic, for example, or maybe a square crop. Mm -hmm. And you can always do that after the fact, but sometimes it's nice to see it in the viewfinder or on the LCD just as a a tool for being better able to judge how to frame it. Does it look good that way? Is it an appealing crop structure? And just start with that in your mind. Yeah. And one of the places that really helps is like, sometimes you'll end up with these scenes where um, you don't have a lot of interesting action in the foreground and you realize you might be composing it in a more of a panoramic kind of aspect ratio, 16 by nine or just whatever, you're going to probably do that. What's cool with the mirrorless cameras. And to a certain extent, you could do this with a DSLR using the, um, you know, live view on the LCD. When you, when you change to a different crop mode in camera, you, you see it (laughs) and you can compose and you get Mm -hmm. your little grid lines or or that way. And um, I will say, I haven't done it a lot. Um, other than what we've talked about in the past, which was for wildlife photography using, you know, going to a, um, uh, a crop mode to get um, tighter composition. Now, yeah. depending on the camera, depending on the camera, um, you know, the, and the system, you if you're shooting raw, you might get different kinds of images coming back. Um, with Nikon cameras, for example, if you change to square or uh if you change to, they used to have four by five crop. I don't know if they have that, but they have, you know, uh, 16 by nine, which is sort of the more traditional video crop. Mm-hmm. Um, it crops the raw file. I mean, like it crops it. You get a smaller file. It's, it is, that is what you get. But on some cameras, um, and, and there's an advantage to that because sometimes, you know, you'll save more space on your memory card if you're shooting wildlife. It's, mm-hmm. No, no, if you're going to crop it anyway. Why not? Right. Um, but on some cameras, the raw file comes in uncropped and it will just have the crop, uh, the soft crop on it, like when you bring it into Lightroom. Mm-hmm. And and so you can undo that and get your full 
resolution image back. And I know that was what you were getting with your Fuji, right? Yeah, I was shooting it in what they refer to as the X-Pan ratio. It was a camera made by, um, for Hasselblad by Fuji, and they had a Fuji version of it too. But it's a 65 by 24 kind of format. So it's a little bit more panoramic than a 16 by 9. And I was using that for uh, shots that I made at one of the morning sunrise locations and it worked great. I was happy with it. And it reminded me of using my old X-Pan camera. Yeah. You know, that, that crop camera. ratio, that aspect ratio sounds weird until you realize it was two 35 millimeter frames next to each mm -hmm. other. Right. And then it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. It was 24 millimeters high and it was the width of a six by seven. Um, image it was kind of interesting but that was cool so you can do this and depending on your camera you know if you don't like it you can undo it if you shot in raw it just depends on your system so that's yeah. something to explore because it can help you visualize while you're there it can help mm -hmm. you and there's some other things you can do too and again if you're shooting raw there's no penalty for doing this this is why we like shooting raw and that's like using alternative in-camera profiles or mm -hmm picture controls or, or yeah, whatever you might want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, so instead of just the standard color, you might switch to say monochrome or some cameras might even have sepia tone or mm -hmm. whatever. Right. And you were doing this a little bit when we were out in the ghost town um, mm -hmm. and we both gravitated towards that treatment in the end, but it was, you know, it's different when you pre-visualize it because sometimes it can just really help. Um, again, with raw, you're going to be able to, you still record the full color image. You're not, you're not losing anything. But one nice thing that it does, not only does it help you pre-visualize you know, what you're doing as you're shooting it, but then when you come back, if you've got the preview set to the, you know, maybe you've got a JPEG preview or whatever, that preview would be in black and white or monochrome, whatever. And that reminds you when you're there, oh, this was the picture I was going to treat this way. Yeah, this was my intent, and it because sometimes it can be very puzzling. Like, why did I really take that shot? Right. When you look at it in color, it doesn't quite make sense. But if you see, you know, what you were thinking at the time, it, it's just a good re mental reminder. You can follow it or ignore the idea that you had. So it's just, I don't know. I did do it. Yeah, I haven't. I I forget. But but it is a good thing. And I ended up converting some images to monochrome for that reason. Mm -hmm. um, some of the shots that worked really well with monochrome were some of the longer exposures on the stream that we were doing, the little cascades, because it was just rocks. There wasn't any fall color in there. So it lent itself to monochrome quite nicely. Mm -hmm. um, and the ghost town, well, it's kind of old feel, right? Old, right? old 1800s buildings or whatever. There was an old mo abandoned mine down there. Um, so that was kind of, kind of fun to do, especially when you're shooting in more midday light conditions where, you know, the, the color shots just, they just seem kind of snapshot like, so an yeah. alternative treatment was, was helpful there. Did you yeah. run into any other, you know, revelations on the trip? Um, this is one that is incredibly specific to what I was shooting with but it's just a reminder that especially with certain longer lens combinations 
you have to be careful when you're using them on a tripod. Um, putting on them on a tripod isn't enough. I was getting too much vibration coming through and I was using a beefy head, a beefy tripod. Um, you know, I had, this was with the Fuji 100 to 200 zoom, which is not a, this was for your medium format. Camera yeah. Too. But um, I absolutely had to go to electronic shutter to mm -hmm. reduce vibrations. And I absolutely had to trigger it. Um, in my case, I used my phone as a remote um, rather than a, a cable or whatever, but I absolutely had to do that. If I didn't do that, I ended up with just a huge amount of vibration in the shot. Yeah. I was using self timer at times, two seconds mm -hmm. or whatever, just put in a delay. The mm -hmm. thing about, you know, this, this reminds Different combinations me. of lenses and cameras right. can be more sensitive than others. But, but it reminds me of what some comments that came out um, very early on when, when the D uh, you know, the D 800 came out the Nikon mm -hmm. D800 because that was a 36 megapixel camera. And up until that point, everything Nikon shooters have been shooting 12 megapixel. And one of the comments was, you're not going to get the quality of those pixels in undefined detail unless you really have things locked down better. You know, the slightest, you know, think, things that aren't noticeably, you know, soft with, you know, when you've downsampled an image or, you know, lower resolution cameras. And you could say the same thing. A 24 megapixel camera now is is sort of, we wouldn't say that's low resolution, but but there's a big difference between going from 24 to, to 45 or 50, right? I mean, it's true. Yeah, and so you, you lose some of that quality if you don't have things locked down really well. Yeah, but to be clear, this was not something because I was shooting 102 megapixels. This no. was something else. This would have shown up at 20. Yeah. It had to do with just with the the combo, the weight or the balance of something, you know, where mm. it just made it unusually prone to vibrations mm. and weird resonances. Right. Well, it, just, it's just one of those things where yeah. you always want to try. I knew this in advance. I'd seen it, you know, in years past. Um, but it, it's just one of those reasons why. You want to know your equipment well before mm -hmm. going on to some sort of a serious trip because you don't want to have a situation where you get back home and every shot that you made with a certain lens is blurry. Oh, I've had that happen. That's not fun. that would that would be miserable. But yeah, I just I was just wanted to just underscore that as you go up in resolution, the ability of that resolution to notice, you know, slight blur, you know, motion blur. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you're not getting everything out of those pixels if you're not focused correctly, stabilized. Cor you know, Very all of those true. things add up. And the more resolution you get, the more, the easier it is to see the flaws that you might not have seen mm -hmm. before, including just lens aberration, you know, like optical sure. thing. You know, it's, you know, we, um, we like that. You know, it, there's a reason why, um, you know, the, manufacturers with their higher uh resolution sensors and they're making newer lenses and newer you know they you know these newer lens designs like with the mirrorless cameras are really better um mm -hmm. 
take some old lenses and you say, oh, well, I can use my old lens with an adapter. And then you go, why are the corners all mushy? <laughs> you know, things yeah. that you wouldn't have noticed before. Right. Right. So it's just there. It's not, it's, you know, not deal breakers, but we had, we had fun and we had, you know, again, big shout out to our, our group because you guys were, were awesome. And some of the photos I've already seen posted online and that you guys shared with us were, were tremendously good. I just, I'm very pleased with what, and hopefully everybody, um, you know, is happy with the, with the shots they got. Cause I certainly thought they were great. They should be. Yeah. Yeah. They should be. Um, I think that's all the time that we have for today. Yeah. Um, but again, stay tuned for this week. Uh, again, imagedoctorsphoto.com is our blog site, and that's where we will be posting our special video bonus episode where we'll be going through some of the photos that we were just alluding to in today's show. So until next time, happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>